It's such a special day uh, for all of us. I, like many in this room, I'm sure, have been pulled into an Easter service at least as long as my life, almost as long as my life has been. I'm sure of it because I was actually baptized on Easter Sunday when I was about eight months old. So I think I've been in church on Easter. I think I've been in church on Easter every Easter of my life. And I've never gotten over the joy of it. It it is for me, as I hope and pray that it is for you, just one of the most wonderful moments of the year. And I want to just say before opening the scriptures, thank you to everybody uh, that has helped to make today so special. Those that have helped to make the outside look so special and those who have helped to make the inside so special this day. For some reason, I've been reminded all week of a song that I heard when I was quite a young man. Um, And there are going to be a few of you in the room that will remember it. But believe it or not, in 1969, a gospel song went to the top of the pop charts. And it was called, Oh Happy Day. Oh, happy day, I think the Isaac Hawkins singers or something like that. Um, And it it, it shot to the top of the pop charts. And the the line uh, that that is the most memorable, memorable is, oh, happy day, oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. And I just can't get it out of my mind. It's been like, I guess, what some people call a brain worm. It's just been in there all week. But can you imagine the joy that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary felt on that day when they went to the tomb to complete the Jewish ritual of burying the dead and discovered that the Jesus they loved was not dead that he was risen. Can you imagine the joy that they felt? Now, before it all happened, Jesus had frequently referred to the fact that this was going to happen, but it clearly went right over everybody's head. They did not see. They did not understand. On the night before he was crucified, he likened it to the reality that women experience if they have been privileged to bear children. That that the heartache and the suffering and the travail and the groaning and the pain of carrying the child is suddenly gone when the child is born. The joy that must have been felt, the, the, the reality of the alleluia of faithful people ever since has to do with that joy that comes into the heart, that comes into the inner place of every man or every woman that has come to believe the truth of this day. The truth of this day. That not only did Jesus live, and not only did Jesus die, and not only did Jesus rise from the grave by the power of God, but Jesus is alive today. And today he is meeting people who don't know he's alive. Today, he is communicating his grace and his truth and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness to people who have thought of this as a historical event, which it is. 
but have not realized that Christ is truly alive and is at work in the midst of life today, changing individual lives from darkness to light, from untruth to truth. This day, as we try to say on every Sunday, we simply stand before whoever gathers and say, the gospel is true. It, we, we're not here because, because we think it's cool. We're here because we think it's true. We believe it's true. And we have come to understand that once we believe it's true, it demands a response. It demands a response. And Easter is so special for Christian men and women because it reminds us, it reminds us of that truth. And to some extent, it takes us back every Easter to the moment when we realized that it was true. When we deeply internalized that it was calling for a response from us and we yielded our heart to the Lord. We saw all that our life was without him and we, we, we put it before him and we, we cried out to him and he came to us, he changed us. There is a memory of that first Easter for each person in this room who is a faithful Christian. I have been thinking all week about my, my own upbringing, and I'm sure that's why that Oh Happy Day song from 1969. By the way, it went to the top of the charts in England. It went to the top of the charts in Germany. It went to the top of the charts in France. It went to the top of the charts in the Netherlands. Can you imagine that? A Christian song singing about the joy of knowing the day that Jesus washed your sins away to the top of the charts in most of Europe and America and Canada? We've come a long way, haven't we, from 1969. But I was remembering growing up, like I said, I think I've been when I was a child in my father's arms, uh, as, as, in, as I'm looking over there at the D'Antonis and seeing the kids, yeah, way to go, guys. I'm really proud of you to be back today. And we baptized that little daughter yesterday. Um, I've, I've been in the, the church my whole life, so I heard these things. I knew these things, and I would have absolutely asserted if you ask me in any way, shape, or form, that these things were true. Because I was raised by people who were truth tellers. My parents did not lie to me. My grandparents did not lie to me. My aunts and uncles did not lie to me. And so I had come to trust and believe that the things they told me were true. And the life of the church was part of that. So I grew up believing that Christ was alive that he lived and died and was raised from the dead and returned to the Father, and it was a historical fact for me. Some years ago, the older of my three sisters, I have three younger sisters, but one is an Irish twin. Um, she's just 13 months younger than me, and we've been very close our whole lives. And uh, about 15 years ago, one day, she stumbled on some old things in a box um, after my mother had passed away, and she saw that it was something from my high school years, and she sent it to me in a manila envelope. 
And she was all excited because what she sent me was the manuscript of the first sermon I ever gave. I didn't even know I had given it. I, 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 but when I saw it, I did remember that in, on, on Good Friday of my senior year in high school, as was still the custom in the small Ohio town where I grew up, school was let out early and there was a service for the high school kids in one of the local churches. And every year, somebody in the senior class got asked to preach the sermon. And I got asked. And here was the manuscript. And I'm looking at it probably when I'm 60. And it was a manuscript when I was 17. And um, I went along and I'm like, well, this is not so bad. <laughs> you know, that's how I was thinking. I, I, you know, the things that I started to say on my notes, they really were true. And, and, and when it came, but when it came to the application, so, so what? So what do we do about this? This is what my sermon note said. So, so because Jesus died for us, we all have to try to be really good. That's how, that's how my, my sermon ended. We all have to try to be really good. And when I looked at that 15 years ago, I, I could say to myself, there's the problem. There's the problem. 17 years growing up around these things, hearing these words, even believing it in my head, I did not understand the gospel. Because the gospel requires a response. And until that knowledge has touched the inner man, the inner human being. The, the heart is the way the Bible would speak of it. Until it has touched the inner heart, it doesn't change the way you live. I've met very, very few people in my life who are not, most of the time, trying to do good. Most of the time, trying to do what's right. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is none of us can stand in the presence of a holy God because of what we can do right or that we have enough rights to cover up all the wrongs that we know in the secret place of our heart. And so it, 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 it illuminated for me and has affected me ever since that without the community of God's people understanding the response that this truth requires is to have not done the task of the church. Because if Christ is alive and you live tomorrow the way you lived yesterday, you probably don't really believe he is alive. Or he has not yet revealed himself to you. There are three questions, it seems to me, that everyone that shows up in a moment like this, anywhere in the world, with any kind of doubt, with any kind of uncertainty, with any kind of puzzlement, even with any kind of 
frustrated reluctance that once again you yielded and showed up because of someone else's encouragement. There are really three questions that it seems to me that have to be answered. Is this thing he's talking about true? Because if it's not true, none of us should be here. But it is true. Christ is alive. I can speak to that because, like Mary Magdalene and like the other Mary, he came and revealed himself to me when I began to understand that I could not keep him in my head. He wanted my heart, by which I mean he wanted my life. He didn't want me to just tip my hat to him. He wanted my life to belong to him. And the gap between my life belonging to him and not belonging to him was my personal resistance to letting him have control of my life. I like praising Jesus. I just didn't want Jesus to be in charge. Is it true? Well, it is true. And if it's true and I embrace it, if it's true and I reach out for it, if it's true and I yield in the secret place of my heart, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to belong to you. I want you to help me be what I should be. I want you to forgive me the things that I need to be forgiven of. If I begin to make that turn, if I embrace this truth, two things immediately happen. I want to change from the inside. I don't want to change because a preacher said it. I don't want to change because my mother said it. I don't want to change because anybody said it. I want to change because I want to change. And the second thing that happens is Christ comes into my life and he begins to change me. He begins to change the way I think. He begins to change the way I feel. He begins to change the way I make my choices. He begins to change the way I think about the rest of my life, the path of my life, my relationship with others, my family, my friends, my work. So a double-edged thing happens. I want to change, and he begins to change me. And that leaves us all who have ever had that encounter or whoever are on the edge of that encounter with the third question. If it's true and I embrace it, will I live it out? Will I live it out? Easter has a double-edged declaration. It, it, it declares something that is true and it gives us an assignment. It declares something is true and it calls us to a response. So for everyone here, if you can remember the moment that became true for you, thank God Almighty today. If you're standing on the edge of that today, I pray this would be your birthday in Christ Jesus. 
He wants you to give your life to him. And the joy of that happy day, when it comes, will be for you the joyous memory of a lifetime and to all eternity. Happy Easter, dear ones.